In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Join me, Dr. Karen Kambule, as we pursue the Word, the Lord Jesus, searching scriptures to find solutions to life's issues. Welcome to Word Anchor Podcast. Download and share with your friends and your family. Stay blessed. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Word Anchor Podcast. This episode is titled, Experiencing God's Miracles. There's a proverb that says, once beaten, twice shy. It means that an unpleasant experience will induce caution on those that have experienced it. So if you have experienced something bad in your life, when you see something similar, then you should be cautious. You would keep in remembrance your bad experience and you are prepared for it when it approaches you again. You have a constant reminder about the danger that you have experienced. For example, when a child has not experienced the danger of a hot stove, they will not be afraid of it. They will play next to it until it bends them a little bit. Then they will begin to fear the hot stove. Some cute little ones will even start pointing at a stove and telling you that it will hurt you in their own baby language, of course. Babies learn fast from bad experiences. That is a trait that we take to adulthood. If you have had a bad experience, for example, with a friend, maybe they betrayed you. The next time you will be cautious around them. You do not want them to hurt you again. You anticipate the danger when you see the signs. You prepare and launch a response to defend yourself from it. I remember one day I was in the company of some ladies and we were chatting. One of their friends called and was not happy that they were not part of the gathering. She felt left out. This became a long debate, how one of them does not want her, what she did before and said to the other. Um, and this lady tried to tell her friends that she avoids this other person because of how she behaves. It seems like there was some bad experience with her, some bad vibes, you know. So this one protects her peace and excludes her in their gathering. So she remembers this lady's past behavior, which was not pleasant, and she avoids her at all costs. Now, that's the issue with experience. They say experience is the best teacher. Well, I would rather have the Holy Spirit as the best teacher. Experience can follow after that. Praise the Lord. Anyway, what past experience has prepared you for future responses to issues of life, child of God? Whilst bad experiences teaches you something and prepares you for future occurrences. The opposite is also true. When you have a good experience somewhere, a great service, for example, in a restaurant, you are likely to go back expecting something good again. When you have had a good relationship with a friend or a spouse, you expect such goodness to continue. You expect a person to be true to what you have experienced of them. So if they behave the opposite of what you know of them, you will even say that it's unlike him or it's unlike her to behave this way. You hold them true to the experience that you know of them. Companies also market themselves on the strength of their service or product. They endeavor to keep the same standard or even do much better. A customer expects the company to deliver as it is known to do so. So if as human beings, we can be convinced about something because of what we have experienced before about another person, surely we can do even much better when it comes to God. Praise the name of the living God. How has your experience with God shaped your expectations of him? 
Or perhaps, what have you learned about God that shapes your expectations of Him? From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is a revelation of God walking with men. The stories are not just tales, but a testimony of the existence, the power, and the love of God, and much more. God is revealed first as one who blessed human beings he had just created. So the first experience of man with God was a blessing. So when you are faced with curses, which one do you hold God for? Do you remember the blessing of God when your life seems to be affected by curses? Or do you hold to the curses that you are facing in life before you? When you are sick, child of God, Do you remember and understand the ways of God regarding sicknesses and disease? What does the word of God say concerning the situation you're facing? What has been your experience concerning that situation? Jesus addressed this issue with his disciples one day. In the book of Mark chapter 8 verse 14 to 21, it says, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have not prayed. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason, because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive, nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketful of fragments did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large basketful of fragments did you take up? And they said, Seven. So he said to them, How is it that you do not understand? How is it that you don't understand? How is it that you don't understand? Do you still not understand? How is it possible that after I have done two miracles of feeding a multitude, You then mistaken my words about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to a reference of unavailability of bread. Do you still not understand that I can feed you with very little and make it abound? Do you not understand that I can increase even the little that you have? Do you still not know me? You still don't understand that I am able to feed you. In the same chapter, in Mark chapter 8 verse 1 to 8, Jesus, having been with the multitude for some time, and they were hungry, It says, he had compassion on them. Whilst his purpose was teaching them the words of life, Jesus Christ had compassion and did not miss the opportunity to feed their physical bodies. So in that portion of scripture, Jesus Christ took that opportunity to teach them a kingdom principle that when you see somebody hungry, feed them. Jesus was not just a teacher, he was also a provider. When you see someone naked, clothe them. He expressed love for the people in deeds of charity. The disciples were to do the same to others. That was his lesson. Now, Jesus Christ asked the disciples how many loaves they had, and they said they had seven. He told the people to sit down, and he broke the loaves and gave thanks to the Father and gave to the people. He did the same with the small fish. They all ate and were filled. They even had leftover baskets, seven large baskets. That was an amazing miracle. It did not need to be cooked. It is like they blinked and Jesus Christ had gone to fish and cooked it in a split second. Glory to Jesus. I wonder how such small fish and a few loaves jumped from the one basket to seven large baskets. Did the loaves expand in front of their eyes? Now Jesus had done this kind of miracle before in chapter 6 of the book of Mark. There were five loaves and two fish in that miracle. 
and that was sufficient for 5,000 men plus women and children. Simple maths will suggest that at least 15,000 and more people ate the food if each man had one wife and a child. This other miracle, there were 7,000 men plus women and children. And these people, they had not known such a miracle in their lifetime. So it was an amazing sight. For sure, they talked about it for days on end. Jesus had revealed himself to the disciples by causing large fish to be caught by Peter after they had not caught anything the whole night. And Jesus told Peter to launch into the deep. They could not hold that much fish. They had to call other boats. You could explain perhaps that by saying maybe the fish was already there in the other side of the water. Perhaps the fish was pushed by the current towards the area where the boat was. But this was a miracle that they could not see it manifesting before their eyes. The net was thrown inside the water. However, this one of the bread and fish was right there in front of them. It was little, then it was too much. It was in one basket, not even filling the basket. The next thing, the basket was full. They brought a second basket and another and another. As much as they took out of the basket, more appeared. This happened until they were all full and there was no need for more food. The basket still had more than they had when they began, praise the Lord. Now, God also had provided bread in the wilderness, manna from heaven. They did not see how this bread was made. They would go to sleep and when they woke up, they would find the flakes on top of trees and plants and whatever object this food could fall into. God is the God of provision. God had also brought meat in the wilderness. The wind blew quail from the wilderness right to the very place where the people who desired it were. They had already had bread and this was just a desire, not of hunger but of their heart's desire. They did not need the meat for survival, children of God. They already had the manna, but God showed them that he could do more than what they needed. He moves even unto the desire. He is unlimited. Also, God caused the widow's flower and all not to cease for the period of famine so that she and her son and Elijah the prophet could eat. Now, this was a different miracle from the manna and the quail. This was a supernatural increase of food. As much as she took out of her bin, she found more flour and more oil in the jar. As much as she and Elijah needed food, the food was available until the famine ended. Praise the Lord. Again, God also caused the widow's oil to not cease until there were no more vessels in the village. This was also similar to the one that Elijah did. Um, but however, this one was in the times of Elisha. The widow was in trouble with the creditors and she needed to, to save her sons. She had the oil, but it did not increase until Elisha spoke a word. She went home and started pouring into the vessels that she had borrowed from the village. She continued pouring until there was no more vessels. Has he not proven himself a provider already, children of God? The disciples had just experienced Jesus supernaturally providing for the multitude. This was a fresh miracle. They saw it with their eyes. They experienced it. It could be explained if the amount of food perhaps fed um, 50 men. They were not that hungry. But it had to be extraordinary, impossible in the standard of men. It happened more than once. The disciples had a personal testimony and the biblical testimony recorded in the Old Testament. By then, Jesus was expecting them to not worry about food anymore. So they could go back to the Old Testament and remember what God did, but also they had a fresh miracle. 
they were just to ask him, Lord, here is five loaves and two fish. Please bless the food. And then the people would eat. They clearly had a provider. Food should not be an issue for them. So when they got into the boat and started wondering about the fact that they did not have bread, Jesus did not understand why they still did not understand that he was able to give them food. Jesus spoke about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that reminded them about bread. Three things that were a problem here, doubt, understanding, and trust. The disciples had seen Jesus do two miracles before where he multiplied bread. Did they believe it was a miracle? Or did they doubt this miracle? Did they have some explanation of what happened other than a supernatural miracle of God? Remember that Jesus could not do mighty miracles in some areas because of their unbelief. Those people saw Jesus doing miracles. Some even said he was casting devils by Beelzebul. Such people doubted the power of God in Jesus. But his disciples, they were supposed to be believers already. And Jesus expected them to no longer even doubt. Some people can experience a healing miracle today and still doubt it is God. They may attribute the healing to a whole lot of things instead of God. Take for example, two people can get the same treatment for the same disease. One will live and another will die. Do not doubt, child of God. Just believe. Do not seek anything to attribute to the work of God to except giving God the glory. When you know that you know that God did this, the next time you see something else creeps in, you will not doubt God's ability to do this for you. So when you begin to wonder and to worry, you are actually telling that God I am actually not sure that you can do this. How is it that you do not understand my words concerning the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees and of Herod? As to imagine I spoke of bread taken in a literal sense or that I I concerned myself about the scantiness of your provisions when you might have learned from my late miracles how able I am to support you. If you had not so much as one loaf with you, Does it mean that you don't have faith that food can be provided for you? Is it ignorance or unbelief or doubt that you'd actually be anxious about the things that I've already proven that I can provide? You see, the disciples lacked understanding of who Jesus is. They had seen him doing some miracles. They were still learning about him. However, he had already proven himself as capable of providing them miraculously so. Now, in the first miracle, Jesus did not chastise them for anything. He knew that they did not know he was able to do such a miracle. They said, where can we buy so much food for so many people? Jesus did not blame them for not knowing a miracle was possible. He demonstrated his power, did it right in front of them and the multitude. After the second miracle, the issue of food should not arise again. So if we add the miracle of fish that Peter experienced, this was then a third miracle of supernatural provision. In their lifetime, Jesus had already taught them through experience. No one writes a test unless they have had an opportunity to be taught and to study, beloved. It would be unfair of Jesus to expect them to know that he is able to do a miracle of provision unless they had seen him doing it before. It had been more than 400 years since the last prophet and there was no prophetic voice. The generation was without miracles. Now, Jesus had to reveal himself first to them, then he could expect them to understand. Today, we have the Bible that reveals God to us. Hallelujah. We have a reference point for every situation we face on this earth. However, here is a question. Do you still not understand that the dead can rise and shall rise? 
Do you still not understand that God is your provider? Do you still not understand that he is able to heal you even when the doctors have written you off? Do you still lack understanding, child of God? After all that God has done for you, unbelievers have a reason to doubt God and not to understand that it is God that has healed you even though you have popped a pill, drank some medication. But you, a believer, you should know by now that healing is the children's bread. Hallelujah. Jesus does not need to keep explaining himself to you. Do you trust him to do it? Will you be anxious and fidgeting after you have prayed because you have second thoughts? When a child asks for a bicycle from their father and he promises to buy it and even gives a time frame, that child holds the word of their father is true. A child would wait 12 months for the bicycle that the father is promised to buy when he gets his bonus at work. That child will even tell their friends that their father is going to buy that bicycle and even tell them when it is expected. The child can repeat this and the friends will wait in anticipation for the bicycle to come. The child does not ask where the money will come from. They only trust the words of their father. They know that their father will not lie to them. They have seen their father buying them food at home. He bought them smaller toys before. A bicycle might be a little bit more expensive, but if the father has promised to buy it, then he will buy it. You would have to cross the T's on believing, not doubting, understanding who God is and his power, and trusting him to fulfill his word before you can even dare move into the domain of faith. If you do not trust God, you will not step into the water like Peter. If you do not understand that it is possible for you to walk on water at the word of Jesus, then you will not get out of the boat. You would firstly attempt to find all the possible scenarios and responses should something bad happen to you. Beloved of God, Jesus expects us to trust him. We may not be able to explain how it happened. It is his pleasure to conceal a thing. The work of faith is of believing, not of explaining. When God has helped you to get 10 bucks today, you can trust him when you need 100 bucks. And the next time you need 1,000 bucks, you must trust him still. He has done it before. He is able to do it again. And he's willing to do it again. So you have prayed and God has healed your headache and stomach ache. The next time you are told you have cancer, you know God heals. Is the cancer more dangerous than the headache? What makes you think God cannot heal you this time? Is there some research you have done and proven that God cannot heal cancer? Can you research God and know him, child of God? It's impossible. Can you remember the good deeds of God and believe him again? Israel made the mistake of forgetting the miracles of God time and again. No sooner had they left Egypt after ten plagues, than they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, then complained to Moses. To them, every challenge they faced was seemingly too big for God. Did you bring us to the wilderness to die, Moses? Were there no graves in Egypt? They complained over and over again. We had meat and onions in Egypt. Now you want to kill us of hunger. We want water, we want this, we want that. They even complained when they were close to the promised land and God drove them back 40 years in the wilderness until the entire generation died save for Joshua and Caleb. You prayed before a child of God and God gave you a job. You get there and you are mistreated and your job is threatened. Do you now blame God as not hearing you when you pray and the matter takes longer than you wish? Is your current work problem much bigger than your unemployed self? Has God suddenly become incapable of sustaining the job that he gave you in the first place? I remember when I needed a job to come back home to be with my husband. I prayed for years. I finally got the job and went back home. 
when that job was taken away, I went to the father. I reminded him that, Father, you gave me this job and only you would take me out of it. I rejected all the attacks. I ended up at home for nine months and still judged God faithful. Did I not go back? Of course I did. He gave it to me the first time around. If he had not willed that I go, no human being would kick me out. When my sister had COVID-19, a very bad one, all the symptoms while highly pregnant, we prayed and she was healed, praise the Lord. When I had COVID-19, I had a testimony. Father, you did it for her. Do it for me too. Now, I'm not saying that it is easier when you're in trouble. At times, you become so desperate. You'll cry a lot. You'll even be visited by fear and anxiety. There is absolutely nothing wrong with stomping the door of heaven, child of God, and asking for an answer, staying there like the Syrophoenician woman, refusing to be silenced and refusing to leave until you have received your breakthrough. We all have to come to a point where God is bigger than the situation before us at all times. It is written, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. God healed them in the biblical times. He healed people around you. He healed you also, even for a minor ailment. Surely he is able to heal you again. He is the same God and he does not change. Praise the Lord. He fed the manna from heaven in the wilderness. He fed the prophet Elijah and the widow. He rescued the widow with supernatural provision of oil. He fed more than 5,000 and more than 7,000 people with little food. Surely he is able to feed you today, child of God. It is not a matter of how he does it. Yours is to trust him to do it. What is it that troubles you today? Find a word for it and bring that word before the Father and stay there unshaken. How is it that you do not understand? In John chapter 21, after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples had gone back to fishing and they again told all night and caught nothing. Jesus came, asked them if they had any food. They said no. He told them to cast the net on the right side of the boat. They did and caught a lot of fish. They were unable to even draw the fish. He did it again for them. He will do it again for you. Get understanding, child of God. Know your God. Believe him. Trust him. Hold him to his word. He will surely do it. All God requires from us is to believe. God is able. God is willing. Rest in him. Rest in Jesus. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Word Anchor Podcast. To get copies of my books, The Bride of Jesus, Dear Girl Child, Confessions of a Parent, Victorious Youth, and From the Pit to the Palace, go to Amazon.com. You can buy a hard copy or a Kindle edition. Remember to check out the show notes. Connect with me on social media platforms. Give feedback and continue to spread the word. Tune in for the next episode and make the word of God your anchor.